The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the journey but a walking stick, no food, no sack, no money in their belts. They were, however, to wear sandals, but not a second tunic. He said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave. Whatever place does not welcome you or listen to you, leave there and shake the dust off your feet in testimony against them. So they went off and preached repentance. The twelve drove out many demons, and they anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The Gospel of the Lord. celebrate this 15th Sunday in Ordinary Time, the Sanctuary Lamp in the Adoration Chapel burns in loving memory of Hugh Hudson. The flowers in the sanctuary were donated by Martha Broussard, in loving memory of her mother, Mary Broussard, and her brother, Bubba Broussard. The second collection today is for the Building Fund. The monthly pro-life mass is this Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. This coming Friday is the Feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. We'll have the regular 6 a.m. Mass uh, as scheduled uh, during the weekdays. Uh, we'll also have a 5.30 evening Latin Mass. Uh, and after both of those Masses, we'll offer enrollment to the Brown Scapular. Uh, so anyone interested in receiving the Brown Scapular being, uh, being properly invested in it and the, uh, and the graces thereof uh, would be invited uh, immediately following both of those Masses uh, to come forward and to receive the Brown Scapular at those times. And also, I would encourage you to pick up the bulletin this weekend uh, as there's more information in there as well. So we look at the readings this weekend. They speak to us of a particular reality, namely being chosen. The fact is that we are all chosen by the Lord. We are chosen by God. Sometimes we, the, the thought is those who are chosen by God, they're the, they're the best of the best, the cream of the crop. They're the ones who do the great things, and then there's all the rest of us who kind of, you know, travel along behind them and, and do our best to, to fit in and not, uh, not make a fool of ourselves in some sense. But the reality is that God has chosen each of us. When I was praying with that word of chosen, uh, the fact of choosing I was reminded of the priestly ordination rite. In the rite of ordination of a priest, a man is examined first, uh, and first they, they call him forward. He who is to be ordained priest come forward, and they call his name. And he comes forward, and they, uh, a representative of the seminary and the vocations office uh, request of the bishop that the man be ordained. And, the man, and then the bishop asks, do you find him worthy? And always I want to say, no one's worthy. But they, of course you have to say yes, otherwise you can't proceed with the rite. Uh, so they, they affirm his worthiness, if you will, uh, to be ordained a priest. And then after this, the bishop says, we choose this man to receive the order of priest. We choose this man. And in response, there's the acclamation, a, a verbal acclamation is thanks be to God. But more generally, the acclamation is that of applause, as, as the congregation applauses to, to show their, their approval and rejoicing in the fact of the man having been chosen to be a priest. And every single one of us in our baptism, 
Although those words do not happen and there's not a, a, a resounding applause immediately after the baptism, the fact is that in the moment when we are washed with that holy water, when we become children of God, it means that God has chosen us for himself. That God has brought us into a family. That God has brought us into an inheritance that we did not have before, rights and responsibilities that were not ours but we have been chosen by virtue of our baptism, claimed by God, specifically picked for some good purpose according to his holy will. The readings today help us to reflect on the implications of that and the reality of this being chosen. Four points about this. The first, God often chooses those who are not the most likely candidates. Case in point, Amos. When Amos goes to prophesy in Bethel, Amaziah, the high priest, immediately tells him, go earn your bread elsewhere. Go away. We don't want you simply trying to get your money here. Go somewhere else and speak your words. What Amaziah was referring to was the fact that it was was a, a sort of common thing that there were individuals, we know about the prophets who actually God used to speak his word, but also prophet in the day uh, was almost kind of a, it was your daily job. Uh, the prophets, there were, there were companies of prophets, as, as Amos refers to, uh, that he was not part of a company of prophets. A company of prophets often would be a group of people, a sort of uh, advisors to persons of authority. The king would often have a company of prophets gathered around him at the, you know, the, the, king's, the king's castle, essentially, to be able to say, should I do this? Sometimes it would be a question of, uh, should we go to battle here or not? Should we, should we take this land or not? Should we do this thing or not? You know, and so questions would arise, and he would consult his company of prophets. What do, you, what, do you, what do you say? And essentially asking, what does God think of this? And so sometimes they would go, and they, they, the company of prophets may cast lots, or they may, they may search the scriptures to see if there's a, a prophetic word that speaks to this particular occasion, or they may simply gather together and discuss and kind of come to a common agreement, and then say, yes, the, the Lord says, green light, proceed, or the, leads, the Lord says, do not proceed, stop, do not collect, you know, you know, do, not, do not pass go, do not collect $200, do not do anything, danger, danger, Right? And so these prophets, would, uh, they would, that was basically their job, was to be able to, to be the sounding board for the king, effectively. And this is what Amos is accused of being, because, of course, those people, they, they prophesied as a job. But Amos, whenever, whenever Amaziah tells him, go make your money elsewhere, go own your bread elsewhere, Amos's response is, I'm not a prophet, <laughs> which is funny because we call him the prophet Amos, right? He's, he says, I'm not a prophet. I'm not part of the company of prophets. I, was, I wasn't raised in this. I wasn't trained for this. He's like, I tend sheep and cut trees. The Lord called me here, though. And here's the message the Lord gives. It's not mine. It's not something I am doing. I have better qualifications for other things. But God has called me here to do this. He is not the likely candidate. He is not the one from the company of prophets. But the Lord has chosen him. Also, we can reflect upon the person of St. Paul. 
He who, as Saul, had great qualifications in persecuting the church. If he wanted the badge of who's the person who, who has done the most harm to the church, St. Paul, prior to being converted, will be a front-runner. He was persecuting the church actively, murdering, continuously, consenting to the death of the saints, being the final authority in these things. He's not the one that one would think of as being the greatest evangelizer in the world. And yet, God chose him and he became that. Very often, God chooses those who are the weak ones, the little ones, the least likely candidates, those who are unqualified or at least underqualified. And he uses them to his glory to be able to show that it is he who is doing these things and not the person themselves. If Amos had been trained as a, in the company of prophets and been given all of these things, one could easily say, well, he's prophesying, but it's because he's been trained to do so, and he looks like he knows what he's doing really, really well. The fact that he was simply caring for sheep and trees takes away all of that. It has to be God. Again, not the most likely candidates. It doesn't mean that God doesn't use those most likely candidates as well. Sometimes he does use the best and the brightest in a particular way. But the fact that it's not always that case is a reminder to us that no matter where we are, God can make use of us. No matter how we might find ourselves, how we might view ourselves in the eyes of God or in that particular situation, if God desires to use us, he can if we're willing to let him. The second point is that to be chosen is to have a call to trust in the Lord. When the disciples are sent out by our blessed Lord in the gospel we heard a moment ago, they are sent out with a specific list of things. And again, this is a, uh, anytime that details are included in the gospel, it's not just for the sake of filler. Uh, Saint, uh, you know, Saint Paul, uh, Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These were not individuals who were in their in their high school or college level classes, where the pa- where the teacher said you have to write a ten page paper, and you've got eight pages, and you just have to kind of fluff it up a little bit and add a lots of add a lots of extra extra phrases to kind of make things work. They had a set list of how long they could write, and they had to fill that space with only the most necessary details. And so when, when St. Mark includes a specific list of the Lord saying, do not bring food, do not bring money in your belts, but bring sandals, don't bring a second tunic, it tells us something. All the other things were the, they were told not to bring were things where one could easily rely upon oneself. One could rely and bring one's own food and not have to trust that God will provide it. One can bring one's own money and not have to trust that God will provide a place to stay, food to eat, things to, you know, the, all, all the necessities uh, of, of earthly life, of daily life. If one comes pre-prepared, God doesn't have to show up because I've got this as a backup. The reality, though, is that when one does trust in the Lord, he needs to show up. That's why they were told to bring a walking stick, because indeed one walking the road might have to defend oneself from animals, or at least to be able to use the stick as a walking, as a walking stick, just generally speaking, which would be helpful for one on the road. It's good to wear sandals. The road may be a little bit rough. But don't bring a second tunic, because a second tunic was essentially, and literally, a safety blanket. Because what it was is, if I can't find a place to stay tonight, and when it gets cold, I've got a second tunic to make sure I stay warm. That's what it was, effectively. It was a thing to say, I don't have to trust God will provide that much. And so when our Lord says, leave all of these things behind, it was a trust, um, 
a call to trust in him? Are the disciples willing to trust in him? Are they willing to go out and to know by only faith that they will be provided for food, they will be provided with a place to stay, with all the other necessities that may arise with it? Those who are chosen must trust. Thirdly, we see that one who is chosen by God is not always welcomed or well-received. Again, Amos goes forth to proclaim the message. He wasn't necessarily looking to go proclaim the message, but he does it anyway, and he's met with a, with a swift, go away, we don't want what you're offering. Thank you, Lord. It was nice to have been called away from the thing that I was doing to get this warm reception, huh? And yet, such is the case. And our Lord tells the disciples the same. He, he lets them know whenever you find a place where they, where they allow you to come and to stay there, you, you stay there, and you stay there in peace, bid peace upon them. But if they don't welcome you, shake the dust from your feet and keep walking. He's already reminding them and preparing their hearts, not everyone will receive you well. Not everyone hears the good news as good news. This is the fact that we see this all, all through the prophets, because the prophets come to call people back to the Lord, and that means they're not following the Lord, and something needs to change in them. And whenever you tell somebody, something needs to change in you, usually the first response is not, oh, well, thank you so much, I didn't know that. It's usually, how dare you? You know? And this is the reality. We will not always be received when we have been chosen by the Lord. Excuse me. Lastly, the last thing, after one has been able to, to recognize one's need of the Lord, one's trust in God, and the fact that one is not always well-received, there must be, in those who are chosen by the Lord, a spark of joy. This is what we see in the letter to the Ephesians today from St. Paul, the reality of joy. And it's shown in the sort of veiled way. One can, read the, one can read the reading and understand that there's a sense of joy in it, but there's a, a little hidden way which we can't grasp uh, just from looking at our missiles or missilettes. And one is the, the, the wording that St. Paul uses, particularly, I guess, the grammar that St. Paul uses. And the reading that we read for our second reading, if you're looking at it, uh, it, has, uh, it is six sentences long. Uh, it's a, a goodly length. Um, and the reason I mention that is that it sounds, uh, when one is reading it now, it sounds nice little clips uh, broken up to be able to be uh, manageable uh, to proclaim. But in the original text, those six sentences were one single, very, very long, impressive, long, run-on sentence, which interpreters have often pointed to the fact of that being a sort of overwhelming joy in Paul's heart that he can't stop proclaiming the goodness of what has happened. In that entire reading, Paul is rejoicing about the fact that he has been chosen by God, that he is to glorify the Lord, that his sins are forgiven, that he's become something useful to God, that all these things have been set aside, that there is something new at work, Something tremendous has happened. And it's just this over, there's this overabundance, this outpouring of rejoicing at all the incredible things that God has done. And St. Paul knows it, and he knows it deeply in his own heart. He understands what it means to have been chosen by God. 
He knows the joy of it, the goodness of it, even despite all the difficulties. St. Paul, certainly among those best who can be able to, to, to tout his, his long list of things that he has suffered for our Lord, but even in spite of all of these things, he is more than willing to celebrate the fact that it has happened. The goodness of being chosen. As we offer this Holy Mass on this 15th Sunday, it's an opportunity for us to remember that we too have been chosen by God, that God has picked us, that he has made us part of his family. He has adopted us as his own loving children, and he calls us to himself. Surely he entrusts us with a mission, but first and foremost, he invites us to himself to trust, to trust in him, to recognize our reliance upon him, to recognize that when we go forth, it will not always be well, but it will be him. He is at our side. It is his words that we are able to speak. And may God grant us today that joy that St. Paul himself knew, the joy of being chosen by God, an instrument in his hands.